Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Alright everybody, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you here today as we discuss all things New York Islanders. And boy, is there a lot to talk about. Not a lot of turnaround. Game 2 in the books. The Islanders with a 4-2 win now have a commanding 2-0 lead in this series. Game 3 at noon today. So, very quick turnaround here and the Islanders will have a chance to go for the series sweep if they can win this third game. We have got a lot to talk about on today's show. We will analyze game two, talk about the Islanders' exciting comeback, plus we'll talk about game three and preview it as it is coming up, like I said, early today at high noon. So hopefully the Islanders will have a chance to finish things off. Meanwhile, don't forget if there's a topic, a question, a comment, Something Islanders related on your mind, please feel free to email the show. LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com is the email address. Leave us your name and where you're from, and we're happy to mention you on the air. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter. The handle is at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And we'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes. Uh, Some good news, obviously, for Islander fans, I think. Uh, Last night, the Carolina Hurricanes sweeping the New York Rangers. So the Rangers are out and the Islanders are now up two to nothing. Let's start by talking about uh, game two and the way the Islanders handled things. Not a great start. Let's let let's get going with that. In the first period, it looked like that 12 noon face-off was a little too early for the Islanders' liking. And, you know, those one-on-one battles for loose pucks that they won so consistently in Game 1, the the Panthers were winning a lot of those. And the Islanders' power play, they had a number of chances in that first period. And they just weren't quite able to to make things click. They had a four-minute power play, which was then nullified by another penalty. And just overall, uh, the Islanders did not look crisp and sharp over the course of that first period. Gave up the one goal to Mike Hoffman, uh, which made it one to nothing. Uh, A little bit more than halfway through the period, Hubbardo and Yandel with the assists. And, uh, you know, again, for the Islanders, it was two seconds after a power play expired. So 
No, it wasn't a power play goal, but for all intents and purposes, it really kind of was. And special teams did not help the Islanders. Simeon Varlamov did a pretty good job in the first period of at least keeping the Islanders close in this contest. But when you actually take a look at, you know, the way the period went, the Islanders were fortunate at the end of the first period to just be down one to nothing. And again, you know, a lot of the time for the many years that I covered the Islanders, they had some trouble with those home matinees, those early, you know, holiday starts, Columbus Day, President's Day, where they would have a 12 o'clock or a 1 o'clock start uh, at the Coliseum or at the Barclays Center, and this was no exception. You know, I thought the Islanders would handle that situation a little bit better. The other thing, obviously, that we noticed right away in the first period, uh, Andy Green in for Johnny Boychuk. Boychuk still trying to recover from that headshot by Matheson that had him leaving game one early, and that was really um, a shame that Boychuk not ready to go, and as I predicted, uh, Barry Trotz turning to the experienced Andy Green to fill in for uh, for Boychuk, and, and Green played a solid game in relief, uh, you know, picked up certainly uh, an assist, and that was a, a plus, and it was something that the transition to green actually did go pretty smoothly for the New York Islanders. And and again, you know, a 37-year-old experienced defenseman, a guy who's made so many long playoff runs over the course of his career, he is the guy you want in there. So uh, Trot's turning to him, and it ends up working. At the end of that first period, you just you got the feeling that Florida had a much better period than the Islanders did. And I, I think the other thing is this. You knew the Panthers didn't want to fall behind 2-0. And you knew that Joel Quenville was going to make sure his team, A, tightened up on defense. And they most certainly did. And B, he was going to make sure that they came out and, and emptied the tank. And essentially, they did that as well. They took control of the pace in the first period and, and, and just, you know, were the better team, even though the Islanders' shots on goal were a little bit better. So at the end of the day, at the end of 20 minutes, Islanders are down one to nothing. And the good news was they didn't play great hockey, but they were still in the game. Uh, the bad news is they were clearly being outplayed in the first 20 minutes. So second period gets underway, and the Islanders had their a really pretty goal. Matt Martin tapping it home at the 6-12 mark off a great play by Tom Cunackle. And can't say enough about Cunackle, who was in close, really uh, had to sort of make a heads-up drop pass from right outside of the uh, Florida crease, and there was nothing Sergei Bobrovsky could do. Matt Martin, you know, from the dirty area, the slot, whatever you want to call it, uh, beating Bobrovsky five-hole from maybe two, three feet out, and that was a great 
skill play by Cunackle and Martin finding the impetus to put it home. That tied the game at 1-1, but less than two minutes later, uh, Islanders shorthanded, and Alexander Barkov scores on the power play. And again, the Islanders on the penalty kill, the, the, the Panthers really did a good job on that second goal of moving the puck quickly and, and some good cross-ice passes, but more importantly, fast passes that set up an open shot for Barkov. Not a lot Varlamov could have done, and at that point, the Islanders trailed 2-1 to one, uh, midway through the hockey game. All right, we're going to talk about the rest of this game, plus a preview of Game 3. All that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So the Islanders were down 2-1, to one, and they, you know, midway through the hockey game or midway through regulation, trailing by a goal, and they end up getting the equalizer on the power play. And we talked so much about the importance of special teams. The Islanders gave up a power play goal. Uh, Also, like I said, that first Florida goal was, even though unofficially, you know, officially not a power play goal, really was kind of a power play goal. But then the Islanders' power play, which struggled so much early on in that first period, comes through. Ryan Pulak with a great blast from the point. Devon Taze and Derek Brassard with the assists. And boy, have Taze and Brassard both played very well in the first two games of this series. Taves has been very good with the puck, moving the puck, creating plays from the point, and steady in his own end. And look, Brassard has points right now in both games for the Islanders, and that is absolutely huge the way that he's come through and helped that third line and also, again, on the power play unit. So Pulak with the blast ties the game, changes the momentum back, and the Islanders had tied the game at 2-2 at the 13:48 mark of the second stanza. Then Jordan Eberle gets his first goal of the night, Pulak and Barzal with the helpers, that one coming at 16:27. But I'll tell you something, Jordan Eberle, uh, Islander fans have to be very, very pleased with what Eberle has done in the playoffs last year when he was outstanding, especially in that opening series against Pittsburgh. And now, uh, This was his first of two goals on this night, and the Islanders taking that 3-2 lead into the second intermission. In the third period, another power play goal for the Islanders, this time Eberle, his second of the game, Bavillier and Bailey uh, with the assists, and for the New York Islanders, uh, a vital, vital victory. Varlamov, a strong finish after not a bad start because realistically it could have been a lot worse than one nothing after one period. Can't say he was at fault on either of those two goals, but the fact that the Islanders played, you know, stuck to their game, did not stop using their system and eventually recovered uh, and, and got the job done. And here's the thing you look at the statistics from the first two games. And 
the Islanders have had they had seven power play chances in game two, and the Panthers had two. Florida only had one power play chance in game one. The Islanders have had significantly more power play opportunities than the Panthers over the course of the first two games. And quite honestly, the Islanders are earning that. You could talk all you want about the fact that, you know, oh, the referees are not calling it fairly. Yes, they are. And look, Matheson has gotten himself into a lot of trouble. I I, I tweeted during the game that Matheson is lucky that this game is being played in front of no fans. And, you know, the next time he takes the ice at the Nassau Coliseum or wherever it is that the Islanders are playing their home games next year, and I do believe it will be the Coliseum, but he's going to hear it from the fans every time he touches the puck. So, uh, you know, he's taken a number of dumb penalties. I wouldn't be surprised or shocked if Joel Quenville tries to uh, bench him, but the Islanders outshooting the Panthers 36-25 and earning those extra power play opportunities, and that is absolutely vital to the Islanders' success. And 23 saves for Varlamov, and here's the other thing. Other than Eberle with the two goals and Pulak with the uh, with the goal and the assist, no other Islander had a multiple-point game. This has been very much a team effort for the New York Islanders. And Eberly again, leading the Islanders with six shots on goal. Anders Lee had four to follow it up, but, uh, and for hits, again, Anders Lee leading the way with five and that is always a very good sign. As for block shots, give Nick Letty credit. He blocked three, and that is a good thing. Faceoff uh, were a big problem, though, for the New York Islanders. They were, you know, Anders Lee was even, and Jean-Gabriel Pajot did a good job on in, in the faceoff circle. But overall, uh, in this game at least, it was Florida more or less dominating things from the face-off circle, and that had to be a, a concern, needless to say, for the New York Islanders. Cunackle, I'll tell you something. I give Barry Trotz a lot of credit because everyone thought Ross Johnston, you know, he played well in the exhibition game. Everyone was praising him, saying how good he looked in training camp and all of that, and it looked like he was going to be that third-line winger along with Pajot and Brassard, but he goes with Cunackle, uh, Trotz does, the experienced player, and Cunackle played well in game one, and really played even better in game two, Islanders up two to nothing, and in this series, and remember, in the history of the NHL playoffs, only one team has ever overcome a two nothing deficit, in a best-of-five playoff series to win it, and that was the New York Islanders against the Washington Capitals back in 1985. So we know what we're dealing with here. Uh, the Islanders are in a good position heading in to this third game, but third game, you know, they always say the, the last win of any given series is the hardest one to get. 
And for the Islanders, I expect it will not be easy for them to close out this series. You know, the first game was a one-goal game. This one was a two-goal game, but the Islanders had to come back. I think they showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit, and again, they played their game even when they fell behind one nothing and 2-1. to one. They didn't get afraid. They didn't panic. They didn't fall back on something other than what they usually do that made them successful, and it paid dividends for them in the end. So, Islanders up in this series, two to nothing, game three today at high noon. We will preview it for you in just a moment. If you want to keep your car running smoothly, head over to rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everyone and they are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everyone and it does not require membership or a login. RockAuto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can check out auto body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything that your car needs from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and they'll deliver it directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, so game three, a quick turnaround here for the Islanders and the Florida Panthers. Panthers will have their backs up against the wall. If they lose, they are done. Islanders can sweep this series with a win today. Otherwise, it'll go to game four. Now, even though, again, there are no fans in the stands at these games, the Panthers will now have home ice advantage four games, three, and if necessary, game four. And it does matter, even though there are no fans in the stands, because when you're talking about two great coaches like Joel Quenville and Barry Trotz, matching lines and getting the matchups you want on the ice does matter. And I guarantee you that the Panthers and Quenville will do everything they can to keep their top line away from Pelic and Pulak on defense and from the Sezikis line on uh, among the forward combinations. So that advantage, look, Joel Quenville isn't one of the most, uh, you know, winningest coaches in NHL history for no reason. And he hasn't won three Stanley Cups for no reason. He is an outstanding coach and he is going to try to make some changes in the lineup. As for the Islanders, again, uh, we won't know what Johnny Boychuk's situation is until game time. It'll probably be a game time decision. But as far as Boychuk is concerned, uh, Andy Green is available. Noah Dobson is also available. Barry Trotz has different options he can fall back on. And either way, uh, I, I think the Islanders will be fine. I think Green played well in Game 2, 
and I wouldn't be surprised at all if Boychuk isn't ready to go, that once again Andy Green is in the lineup for the Islanders. As for the goaltending, here's the situation. I have a hunch that we will see Tomas Grice in Game 3. Back-to-back games this soon after a four-and-a-half-month layoff is asking a lot of a goaltender. You've got a little bit of a cushion right now in the standings because, or in the series, because the Islanders have this two-to-nothing lead. And no, two-to-nothing doesn't guarantee you anything, but it puts you in a very good situation. And this way, Varlamov can get some rest and be sharp for either Game 4, if necessary, or for the Islanders' next round opponent, should the Islanders win, it keeps Grice sharp, and it allows the Islanders to have more flexibility going forward. Look, if Grice comes in, plays a bad game, you could always put Varlamov in, you know, early on if need be. If Grice gives up two goals on the first three shots, and I don't think that's going to happen, but you could always switch back to Varlamov. I think we will see Grice starting game two, uh, game three rather, for the Islanders, and that will be interesting to see how he performs under the circumstances. The other thing about this for the Islanders, to me, is to a large part psychological. You don't want to let your foot up off the gas right now. You don't want to feel comfortable being up two to nothing. And I don't think Barry Trotz is going to allow the Islanders to feel comfortable. They always say the cliche in hockey is that that last win of a series, usually it's the fourth win, in this case, the third win, is the toughest to get. And I think that's true because teams are desperate and they're really trying very hard to do, you know, do everything they can not to go home for the rest of the summer. And look, to be off for four plus months and then come back and have it all be over after three games, if you're the Florida Panthers, that's the worst case scenario. You don't want that. But the Islanders, if they let off, if they let up just a little bit, Florida is right back in this series. So, you know, the old expression, when you have somebody down, you don't want to give them a chance to get back up and and, and just come at you again. You want to keep them down and finish them off, so to speak. And I think the Islanders have a very good opportunity to do that here in Game 3. They've got the momentum, and I think... You know, Game 1 was played in the Islanders' style of play. Game 2, at least early on, the Panthers played their style of play. And yet the Islanders still managed to be persistent. They came back and they won. At the end of the day, if you're the Florida Panthers, frustration is going to start to set in. You know, they they can sit there and say, we played a good game in Game 2 and we lost anyway. And that can start to get them to do a little self-doubting. The Islanders, and I think Barry Trotz, will show why he's such a good coach. He will not let them get too high. He will keep them focused and determined. There are still some things the Islanders can do better. I mean, the first line came through. I'd love to see more from the second line right now, uh, if possible. The third line, again, looked good. And the, the energy line, the fourth line, continues to shine. 
and even when, you know, again, trots on that goal by Matt Martin, that was a mixed line, a different line. So overall, I think the Islanders are looking pretty good, but that you got to avoid another slow start like they had in game two. And hopefully they can basically put the Panthers away here in game three. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the playoffs and all things hockey. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy Game 3, which is coming up at noon today. And, of course, let's go Islanders.